Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi everyone and welcome to Mentally Yours. I'm Vet, and today I'm chatting to Dr. Erica McGuinness. She's a chartered clinical psychologist and the director of Nubia Wellness and Healing. We're going to be talking about an African-centred approach to mental health. So can you tell us a bit about your work, first of all, and what is an African-centred approach to mental health? I'm a clinical psychologist and I trained in 2001 in very much Eurocentric approaches. But as I kind of continued with my career, I realised that a lot of the things I was experiencing and some of the clients who were from African ancestry backgrounds were experiencing the um, the approaches that I was taught about wasn't really helping to understand their problems and to find ways of engaging them. So I got involved in African psychology um, which is using the best of African culture um, uh, in conjunction with modern day culture um, to kind of like find ways to improve well-being. So how exactly does that work in practice? Well, for example, I ran a course, um, Soulfulness in the Present, whilst we're on lockdown. Um, and one of the things we use things of African culture in terms of using music as a way of engaging people using African cultural principles like um, libations, pouring libations and bringing your ancestors into your um, everyday space, calling out their names, thanking them for the gifts that you've inherited from them and understanding yourself in the concept of trying to continue the journey of their ancestors. So my parents came from Jamaica and they came to England with a particular purpose in mind. And I often then see myself as how can I continue that purpose, um, add to it and interpret it in a modern day context. Is African psychology something that you've experienced as a patient um, as well, or, or is it purely as um, a psychologist? 
Um, I received some supervision from an African-centred perspective, and that was really helpful um, at a time with my career in terms of helping me develop my own sense of well-being and identifying with the best of African culture. Um, because at the time, I was very much denying my African ancestry. Um, and I really felt that appreciating that um, helped me to be able to um, kind of like develop more confidence in myself. Um, but I haven't actually experienced um, therapy um, from that perspective myself, no. Can you tell me a bit more about um, how it's different to the European approach and also how the different sort of cultural aspects are woven in? Yes. So, for example, um, an African-centred perspective is very much spiritually based. So you're looking at your relationship with yourself, your relationship with your ancestors, your relationship with the creator um, or the universe or God, whatever concept that you have. So it's very spiritually based. It's very strength based in terms of seeing that the, the environment that we're in can often contribute to the difficulties we find them, ourselves in, as opposed to it being inherent in us. So we look at things such as the influence of the transatlantic slave trade and chattel enslavement and how that can cause trauma and which is passed down through the generations. So you then get intergenerational trauma added to that everyday trauma of living while black, shopping while black, seeing black people being mistreated, such as uh, Floyd George, when you look at the newspapers or the um or the television which can re-traumatize us again um it kind of like a um involves some of those aspects of our being um, and the lived experiences of black people and are there any sort of particular mental health issues that you think this particularly helps people with whether it's anxiety or depression or anything in particular or is it sort of across the board um I think it's quite across the board, really, because it really talks about, um, well, my interpretation of it is it talks about um, self-knowledge, knowledge of self being really fundamental to wellness. And it says that quite often black people only know about themselves from what white people have told them, um, when really we have a rich history um, of our own culture, looking at the ancient Egyptians, looking at um, um, African culture prior to colonization because they must have had wellness practices or when colonizers came to Africa, um, they wouldn't have um, been able to you know, get people to do anything because they would have been walking around quite mentally unwell. So they were very spiritually strong and had a lot of abilities, which is why people took them in and enslaved them. So it's very much looking at who were we before we were enslaved, what were our wellness practices and how we can continue them. And even looking at some of the things like proverbs or Anansi stories or sayings, which are familiar in many black families and using that as a resource for wellness, a resource for healing. Sounds really interesting. And like, like it's a much broader approach in terms of your sort of your sort of looking at yourself and your history, as well as as well as sort of where it all sort of starts from, because I think in the um, the therapy that I've had and the, the practices sort of I've been to it's it's all very sort of based on Freud and you sort of you kind of go back to your own childhood and maybe sort of your very immediate situation but it sounds like it's a much deeper sort of wider exploration of your history is that right? 
I think it can be when I work with people from an African centered perspective, what I always say is that I use the best of all cultures, including my own. So I will uh, incorporate aspects of African psychology, um, but it's about the framework that we're understanding the person within um, and how we're trying to um, look at where their, their strengths are and build on that and link with their um, their family culture and, and look at how, as well as um, trauma being passed on, joy and wellness can be passed on. So how do we tap into to that within the family? Are there any other sort of practical differences in terms of um, how somebody um, who was practicing African psychology might sort of set up um, their their service sort of differently? Like, are there is it sort of different surroundings? Or is it sort of very similar to the sort of thing that we have in um, a European practice? Well, um, I'm trying to give kind of like a snapshot um, um, in a few moments, and I perhaps feel as if I'm not doing the approach justice. But when I went to um, America. Uh, I went on a fellowship, a Winston Church Memorial Trust Fellowship, and I went specifically to look at African psychology services that are already set up. And then when I came back, I set my own up. But when I what I saw in those services is things like the pictures on the wall were of black people. So instantly, black people coming into a service could actually see representation of themselves positively and feel they're at home. I visited a service that was based uh, in, a, in a house that was just on a normal road. Um, and it kind of like you wouldn't know that it was a mental health service. Um, so it was very much about um, fitting into the community and ways of bringing therapy to people in a way that's accessible to them. So things like music, some things like wellness groups. I'm running a course that's online. Um, and one of the things I've got is playlists of, of inspirational music for people to listen to. That was that research you mentioned in there. That was part of um, mental health foundation projects um, yes. to do with the mental health fellowship program, wasn't it? Can you tell us a little yes. bit more about that and your findings from that? Yeah, um, I went in 2016 and I went to Washington DC and various places around that, and it got me. It gave me the experience to spend a month there. Um, I attended conferences there, saw services working from an African-centred perspective, spent a bit of time at Howard University, which is a historically black college and university out there, and was educated um, mainly with black people, which was an experience I hadn't really experienced in this country. Um, And um, it gave me a sense that um, a Eurocentric perspective isn't the only way um, and I can come back knowing that it can happen and put together services of my own. And I met up with the Mental Health Foundation when I came back and I was very much about doing individual therapy with people. But the service that I've developed, Nibia Wellness and Healing, it's changed since then um, as a result of the COVID-19 situation. And I've gone into doing more online courses and developing wellness products, which is a way to make African psychology easily accessible to people. Yeah, sure. Tell us about that. How's it working at the moment for you with the online stuff? Well, um, the first course I did was called Soulfulness in the Present. And then the one that I'm running at the moment, which starts, um, it has a second cohort that starts on the 7th of October 2000, uh, 2020. Um, that's called Post-Pandemic Planning, 
being, belonging and becoming. And it really talks about how one of the functions of the system of white supremacy is to make black people feel that we don't belong. And when you feel that you don't belong, um, you feel unrooted, then you're not working to the best of your abilities. Um, to, it despirits us and makes us feel um, as if that we're, we're, we're second class, we're not as good. And it's about how do we look back to our African culture and we've got quotes and such from and video material that we watch um, from um, people of African ancestry and people at the end of the course develop their seven point post-pandemic plan um, based on their values which are African-centred values as well as Eurocentric values um, about how they're going to plan for a future because what's happened is that the um, the COVID-19 situation, um, it's affected a lot of communities, but in particular, the um, community of African ancestry has been um, more harshly hit. Um, it was already um, limping in some respects prior to the COVID-19 outbreak. Um, and it's like those um, those gaps between um, um, communities has just been widened. Um, so it's about how do we use this as an opportunity to find new ways of being? Because some people are finding that they've lost jobs, they've lost roles that they had. But really, it's a time for people to be able to see it as a time for wellness, taking a break practicing things like mindfulness and meditation um, and then planning for a future that may be more of what they want their life to be when their past may have been what they could be fitted into. Mm. So the, the work that you're sort of focusing on at the moment, is it sort of essentially all online workshops or are you also doing sort of online therapy um, I'm not doing online therapy at the moment. I've, I've decided to devote my time to the um, online workshops, which are wellness um, workshops, which in, include some live classes where people can go to breakout groups and interact with each other. Because what some people are finding is that they're quite isolated from members of their community um, whilst the lockdown is going on or whilst people are trying to shelter in place. And also what I've done is developed Know Thyself Adinkra cards which are Adinkra symbols, which are symbols that originate from um, Ghana and then the West African um, region where the Aiken uh, and the Ashanti people were, and using those symbols um, as a tool for wellness. How do you mean exactly with the cards? Uh, well, um, what I've done with the, uh, the Know Thyself Adinkra cards is I've taken... 50 of the symbols which are um, from traditional African culture and what I do is I kind of like um, get people to go through the, the cards and the different symbols. So, for example, one of them is uh, resilience, a solid foundation. And then you might ask somebody, OK, um, what have you where is your resilience? What, are, what is your your foundation? Um, what have you done um, that's shown that you've got strength in the face of adversity? Um, another one is um, freedom. So then asking them, what does freedom mean to you? Because um, it can be different things for different people. Um, another one is God's presence and protection. Um, and I'm just sorting through the, the pack. Energy is usually quite a good one that people talk about, either feeling that they're lacking in energy, and then we can have a conversation about what are the things that energise you, um, or who are the things, the, the people, or what are the places that de-energise you, and how can you avoid those places? Yeah, it sounds really interesting and really, yeah, and really different to the, the usual sort of, well, the, the therapy that I've had where it's just you sort of go into a room and then you sort of spew out all your history and then you sort of go over and over it. 
<clears throat> it sounds like a, a sort of a much more, you know, it was well, a different approach. Um, what do you think of the services on offer in Britain at the moment in terms of this stuff? Because it sounds like America's sort of a, a far, fair bit sort of further in terms of, of this approach. I think what we've got to do is think about how we can offer services in a way that are accessible to people and really reflect their cultural identity and what's important to them. And that's what I found with African psychology. When people in my courses, they have the, the breakout rooms, they talk about things such as, uh, for example, hair and you know the, the fact that they sometimes have to think about where they're going and put their hair accordingly because they may get more discrimination if they go with their traditional hair and that's unprocessed. Um, even dress, we may think that we want to go out and wear our traditional African print, but if somebody may um, be more kind of like uh, intolerant of us for expressing our culture, we're then kind of having to think that, okay, I'll get changed and put something else because I know where I'm going. So those are the types of issues that tend to come up are the everyday pressures that people are having, um, some of which are across cultures, but some um, are more intensified when it comes to people of African ancestry. Sometimes we have to manage other people's anxiety about us. I wonder if you could tell me a bit more about sort of your own um, opinions about sort of how the NHS sort of treats, well, everyone with mental health issues at the moment. Because, I mean, at the moment, just as a what they call a service user, which is not a phrase I like, but um, they, what you tend to get is um, if you're lucky, you might get a short amount of therapy. Um, you get offered pills and that's sort of it. Um, in an ideal world, what do you think Britain should be offering well, I really focus my service on preventative um, because what we're saying is that we're really going to be playing a losing game when it comes to um, trying to get around to all the people who are already affected. And it's about how can you be preventative for the next generation and teach people emotional wellness skills so that when they do have stresses um, and and challenges in life they've got resources to fall back upon so and I'm not saying that people who are going through problems or have had problems and um, can't join in with these um, but I'm really focusing on to that how can we really skill ourselves up with emotional wellness skills um, to become what we call anti-fragile to say that we don't just bounce back but we can even bounce forward so the course that I run it has mindfulness and meditations that are for people of African ancestry spoken word um, we've got ebooks that are reaching back to um, Asian um, Egyptian culture and the um, the gods and the goddesses from ancient Egypt is a template for well-being. Um, so we're really kind of like thinking that diverse approaches in this country need to be available for diverse people, and mm. we can't have a one-size-fits-all approach. Yeah, definitely, and I think it definitely makes sense what you're saying about helping to people to have good sort of I mean I don't know if mental health hygiene is quite the right word but just I like, to, that. I like that term yes <laughs> great so I guess it's, so that everybody can sort of look after their mental health I mean I think people are sort of understanding the idea a bit more now and sort of through the pandemic the government put out some messages about how how people could look after their mental health in general but it, it does seem to me there's still a, a lot, lot to be done yeah, I think I found the um, you know the, the lockdown and um, people needing to spend more time um, um, alone in, in safety 
um, an opportunity to develop spiritual fortitude, as I put it, to be able to really spend some time, people getting to know themselves, practicing spiritual practices such as, you know, one of my spiritual practices is gardening. And I find it very, um, you know, um, a very much a mindful approach in terms that I can get myself lost in um, looking at, um, you know, the flowers and what's developed compared to, um, you know, the day before. And um, people having a chance just to practice wellness skills, even such as breathing and meditations. And I use albus oil and other oils to kind of intensify my breathing that I can actually do deeper breaths and try and calm down my my nervous system that over the last few years has been challenged by a lot of things that have been thrown at me. Mm. That sounds really helpful. I mean, I've been trying to do a lot more of the breathing, especially during the pandemic. That's And it's I, I found it not exactly funny, but just sort of surprising how something that sort of simple that I've read about and heard about loads before, I, I just sort of actually putting it into practice has been really helpful, as as you've found. Yeah, um, so. I suppose one question I'd like to ask um, about sort of the whole approach is, um, I mean, it, in England at the moment, um, there aren't really, I wouldn't say that there's enough um, black psychiatrists. So, I mean... Can African psychology only be done by black psychologists? Well, the answer to that is, is, is no. In my in my book, um, the course that I'm running, we've got a um, quite a lot of white people who've decided to to do the course, and it was white people that actually introduced me to African psychology. And for me, what's more important is that is is the therapeutic relationship and the actual um, the approach that's being delivered and not necessarily who's doing it. Yes, there may be some bits of culture that you can identify with if the person is black and the client is black that you may be, you're both able to um, progress with. But I, I definitely say that everybody can benefit from an African-centred approach um, and also practice elements of it as well. What's available in terms of this approach in the UK at the moment, or is it very much still sort of finding its feet? Um, I think uh, probably to say that there's um, there's lots of different people doing pockets of it in different ways, um, but there's still room for improvement when it comes to the resources that are available. So, for example, I don't know many resources available upon the NHS, um, and that's where most people um, go as their first port of call Um for um for therapeutic support um but there's different people that i've trained up and that have trained me up um in actually practicing from this this point of view mm. and also i've developed a wellness um um book a workbook that goes with the course that i'm doing which is giving people a way to work through some of this material on their own as well what advice would you give to sort of policymakers and in terms of improving the provision of um, mental health services for everybody, but in particular black people in the UK? I think the training courses really need to incorporate African psychology as an approach. Um, I don't think it's good enough to just say that we need to not be racist or that we need to be um, accessible to various cultures without giving people the tools to be able to do that. And to me, African psychology um, provides tools and wellness approaches and ways to formulate and understand people's problems and 
people need access to that in their training courses that when they then qualify, they can then practice from that approach. And some universities have been quite open to me going and doing sessions there. Um, but others, um, I think they, they still need to incorporate African psychology into their curriculum, not as an optional extra, but as a um, kind of like part of the, the mandatory curriculum. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you'd think that any um, psychologist would be quite glad to have a broader sort of range of options to sort of go for. Um, rather well, yeah, than- when I've actually taught at universities and done sessions I've actually had a really good response from people a variety of people have said that yes this is what we're this is what we're looking for this is what we need and um, we need the tools like some of the wellness tools you've produced like the Adink, know thyself adinkra cards and using symbols from west africa to help people express how they feel that sort of thing um you know is practical and helpful and what kind of response have you had um, from patients? Um, obviously, you can't break confidentiality, but I mean, sort of in, in general, can you say? Yeah, I've had quite um, a lot of, of patients who've, um, well, clients who've come to me who found it um, useful in feeling heard. Um, so, for example, um, as well as the uh, Know Their Stuff for Dinkery cards that I've created, I've used a, a pack of cards that a colleague created, which had um, sayings um, from, um, from from Jamaican culture. And that gave one of my clients the language to be able to say um, how she feels. And we had a conversation in Patwa and talking in terms of different proverbs and different sayings and different Anansi stories, which helped her to explain how she feels. And if we didn't have that language, I think there were some parts of how she was feeling she may not have been able to express. Um. You've been as chartered uh, clinical psychologist um, for a very long time now. Is it sort of about 15 years? Is that right? Uh, well, I qualified as a clinical psychologist in 2001. So, yeah, it's been qualified to a while now. Um, the reason I sort of asked that is because I was wondering um, what your what your experience has been like in general um, working in the NHS. Well, I think I experienced as everybody experiences working in organisations and living as a black person, um, just because I've got a doctorate doesn't make me immune to many of the experiences other black people have. And, um, you know, if you're seeing what's happening to, you know, recorded to black people being, um, you know, held down by the police and strangled for eight minutes um, and shot in the back. They're the things that are happening to black people when people in authority um, um, are there with them, when there's a, a camera there. So what's happening in private with black people when they come against their managers, people in HR? Um, I experience life just like everybody else experiences life. And I've had a lot of opportunities. I've had a lot of good treatment, but I've also had experiences which haven't been as good. And that's what you get living while black everywhere. Do you feel the, that the NHS in general is is getting any better? I mean, I've chatted to guests on here before and um, some of them have been very certain that um, the NHS has systemic racism, um, but others are sort of more optimistic. Um, what are your thoughts on how things are at the moment? I think it's um, it's like any organisation. It probably has pockets of very good practice, pockets of practice that could be better. and 
pockets of practice that um um you know um it, it is not good for for anybody um so it's um and, and also the nhs is such a wide organization it's hard to come up with opinion on the organization as a whole but what i will say is to say that um it does seem to be taking into account some of the issues that people are talking about um but there could be you know room for improvement as for all organizations so this is goodbye from mentally yours so go away enjoy your day get on with all your chores from mentally 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 yours mentally yours mentally If you've been affected by any of the issues we've discussed today, please contact the Samaritans on 116-123 or go to their website at samaritans.org. If you've enjoyed this episode, please give us a rate or review. Five stars would be lovely. Also, if you've enjoyed this, come and have a chat to us on Facebook. We've got a group called Mentally Yours. Also, we have a Twitter, which is Mentally YRS. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.